the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 154 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. And we're going to be back with another division to cover this episode. We did both of the Eastern Divisions a few weeks ago, and on this episode... I have some questions to discuss with Andrew about each team in the American League Central. But before we get to that, we got our Twitter plugs to make. At uh, Justin Hughes 365 is me. At AMCQ82 is Andrew. And at Baseball365Pod. And Andrew, I thought I'd start this off. I got a story to tell. Um, you doing all right, man? Yeah. Say that before yeah, we get doing, going. Doing good, yeah. And like before I get into the story, congrats on the call on Texas and five nailed that too. So you like I said in the notes, I was like, you you should have went to Vegas this October. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, World World Series was uh, it was pretty quick. I don't know, just I don't. It felt like it was kind of not the greatest World Series, but it wasn't. That's going to happen sometimes. The first two games, I think, were very exciting. And then it just went downhill after that. Like, the back and yeah. forth, Arizona was in it. And then, yeah, they just, Texas just blew their doors down afterwards. Um, Have I told you that I started playing in a co-ed volleyball league? I don't think I've told you that yet. Yeah, you mentioned it, but that was all you did was just mention it. So... I'm two weeks into doing this now, and I've never played volleyball except for, you know, just playing in gym or playing with friends every, like, probably once every, like, five years, maybe play. But I'm also six foot four, which is a very nice perk, but I'm le- I'm learning a lot right now playing because there are different rules I didn't know and, you know, just setting people up and all that stuff. I'm learning just terminology. It's fun. But, mm-hmm. um... You know, being somebody who's in feels like he's feel, feels good physically, I have the last week was the first game, and there were a couple times I took dives onto the floor, landing hard with my knees on the ground, and no big deal. And nobody else I saw really ever try that. And then I did the same thing again yesterday, and this morning I woke up, and first thing I noticed when I started walking is my knees are sore. <laughs> My knees are never sore. I have very good knees. And for the first time, I'm like, oh, maybe this is why they don't do this. <laughs> so I just every time I step, I feel it today. And it, it doesn't hurt, but it's also like it's not doing what it normally does. It, there's soreness there to where I'm learning a valuable lesson right now. And I'm sure anybody listening who has played like volleyball on like basketball floors it's probably nodding and kind of like, yeah, you don't do that. And I'm learning that the hard way right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's the old age kicking in, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lesson <laughs> lesson learned. I will. But did you know? Like, I did not know that you can kick a volleyball and it's still legal. Did you know that that could count? You can kick it. You can do hit it with anything. Your head. You like somebody kicked. I mean, the ball. I knew you could hit it. I knew you could hit it with your head. Yeah, I I watched somebody kick it once and the thing stayed live and it ended and I'm and I at the play ended I'm kind of just mumbling, you can kick a ball, but nobody really wow. heard me. Yeah, I, actually, I, I didn't know that. No, I thought I was taking crazy pills and then it happened again later in the game and like some guys were like, nice nice save there, and 
I was like, I went to my team and I was like, wait, so that like that really is legal. And they're like, yeah, you can hit it with anything. One like, hmm. and it's still legal. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did not know that. So yeah, a little bit of volleyball knowledge I've learned this week. <laughs> so let's get into these divisions. And before we start, uh, these divi- this division sucks, Andrew. I had a lot of fun doing the American League East, the National League East. This was painful, absolutely brutal division to go through. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I didn't expect it to be that bad when I went through it. So, yeah, I like, oh yeah, I was like, what was the quote I had? I was like, this division is the catchers of the position previews. <laughs> so, <laughs> apologies to everybody here. Well, I'm going to do my best to try yeah. to keep it interesting. Yeah, we'll get through it. Definitely a, definitely a weak division. We could just cut it off now if you want. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't dive on your knees playing volleyball. <laughs> now let's 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 talk some baseball here, and we're gonna start off talking about the Twins, who won the division this last year, went eighty-seven and seventy-five, and while they finished with a nine-game lead during the season, I don't remember feeling like it was that big of a lead during the year. Like, do you remember? Weren't they around like five hundred at one point in the middle of the year while leading the division, maybe by just a few games? Like that's that's how I remember it. Am I remembering correctly? I think so. I I'm not one that like glances at the standings every day, especially in the middle of the year. I do know that there was a point where them and the Guardians were really close. Mm-hmm. It was within a within a game or so, and I want to say it was. Well, what I paid attention, what I'm talking about was probably around the All-Star break. But mm-hmm. yeah, that it was even close after that for a while, and then they just pulled away. Yeah, okay. So, um, again, not taking crazy pills here. Um, So, the Twins, their opening day payroll last year was $153 million. And when I looked at the site yesterday, it was at $100 million with the arbitration guys in there. But that said, uh, today was the day that the Twins picked up some club options on Kepler and Polanco, which um, were right at it, 10 and $10.5 million each. So I think if I have this right, their payroll is now at $120 million instead of 153 So free agents that are off the books, looking them up, uh, Joey Gallo is at $11 million. Sonny Gray was at $10.1. Tyler Maley. Is at seven point five million. Michael A. Taylor's four point five. Uh, Kenta Maeda's three point one. So my first question was actually going to be about those options, and if you'd have picked them up at ten million each and used that money for it, do you think that was a smart move for them to bring Kepler and Polanco back for twenty million? Yeah, I think it's fine. I'm not surprised they did. I was, I was not certain. On Kepler specifically, I thought Polanco they probably would, and Kepler had a good year. I I own yeah. I had Kepler in the second half in a daily dynasty league, and I was plugging him in there almost every day versus the righty. He was really good in the on base department too, and that was an OBP league. Um, and beyond that, their outfield's pretty brutal right now. Roster resource before Kepler was put back in there, their outfield was Matt Walner, Willie Castro, and Trevor Larnick because Byron Buxton, we'll get to him in a second, but he's he didn't play the outfield this year. Moving on, we got Sonny Gray. Uh, he's unlikely to return. 
the Twins still have a rotation of Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, who returned from Tommy John at the end of this last year, and Louis Varland. So with Gray gone and Varland being their five, um, their minors, their closest pitcher seems to be like David Festa, who could debut this year. But what what do you think their level of urgency is to add a starter? You know, they've got three, $30 million to play with here if they're going to have the same payroll as last year. Yeah, I would think they would add... I would think they would add one or two starters. Uh, it was a strength. I mean, it was a strength for them this year. They I think they finished with the sixth best team ERA in baseball. It was sixth or seventh right around there. So, yes, strength for them this year, really good at the top. Uh, Pablo Lopez staying healthy was huge for him, obviously, and Sonny Gray. Um, yeah, I would think that they would add somebody, but – I'm never completely sure with the twins exactly like if they're going to do that or what they're going to do. So hard to say for sure. My guess is they'll go out there and go get those like guys like Sonny Gray when they got him, not Sonny Gray today because his value is up from where it was when they got him a couple years ago or the Chris Paddocks or some, some guys like that. They'll probably add a couple of guys like that to fill in the back of their rotation. Because, yeah, I agree. They need to get go get a, at least one, if not two. Because Chris Paddock's also just returning from Tommy John. We don't know about him. but <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know what one to of those swing guys. Him. One of those swing guys who they could put in long relief or be an extra guy and not be not be too big of a deal, but also somebody that could step into the rotation if they need him to. Yeah. Let's talk Byron Buxton. He had an ADP last offseason in 92. And now he only has DH eligibility, at least going into the beginning of the year. And had arthroscopic surgery on his right knee. And as of right now, his ADP is 252 through the first five NFBC drafts. And uh, men pick 157, max 299. So anywhere in... Like rounds 16 to 18, if you're looking at the average. Again, it's early. We're looking at very small samples. But do you think you'll be inclined to buy bite in early this offseason if that's his price? I want to see he went in round 20 of my, my first draft, and we're currently in round 17, and he's still on the board. Um no, I, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, I'm just – it's really tough with him because I've always been intrigued. I think we all have to a certain extent, some more than others. But I think the difference for me now is I don't feel like the upside is what I used to think it was. Like I just – for one, it's clear as day, the health issues. We all know that. Um, and then, you know, even if healthy, it's UT only, and which I get that, you know, maybe there's a chance he comes back and plays the field, but then is that getting making him more likely to get hurt? Probably so. Uh, I think even perfect world, like if he's healthy the whole season, he's still going to sit a lot. Yeah. So, because they were doing that two years ago. Um, 
I don't know. I just I feel like it can be a headache and Yeah, I'm just I know the price is cheaper. And I when he went in round twenty of that first draft, I was kinda like starting to look look at him a little bit, but I'm not really in a rush to get these UT only guys on my team and I know he may not be that all year, but just banking on so many different things and even if he bounces back or plays well, I I don't I just don't think that the ceiling is like otherworldly like I used to, really. So I'm not too fired up about it, but it's it's a fair price. I mean, if you want to invest, I think it's I think it's okay. I don't think I've been in on a Buxton in any redraft leagues. I mean, we're going back six, seven, eight years for me since I, well, I guess it can't be eight years, but six or seven years since I've been in on him. But I think this is going to be the year that if that's his price, I'm going to be taking stabs. I just like, I think about the Jorge Solaires and the guys like that who have broken out. Like that was your guy this last year. And I'm like, man, I could kind of see it. I, I agree with you that the upside isn't what we once thought it was. Because we were dreaming at one time on like a like fifty to sixty possibly home runs plus stolen bases when you were putting it all together, and that's that's probably not there anymore. But I I could see him going out there and having one of those thirty home run, ten stolen base years. Still, I think it's in there, and I yeah I I think I might be willing to take the stab at this price. It's the first time it's gotten low enough, and with the surgery, they're saying they expect him to get back in the outfield, and we don't know. Obviously, that's them saying this right now, but I just think he provides so much speed in the outfield. I actually just went to Baseball Savant to go look at his sprint speed, even with this knee injury. I was like, I wonder if it really slowed him down, and no, he was still 94 percentile. He just was in pain, so the speed's still there, too. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to take a shot. So, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that the that his sprint speed is necessarily that relevant when it comes to I mean, they're going to have to allow him to run and he's going to have to be running, not getting hurt. Like he's fast, I mean, fine. So is Mike Trout. He doesn't steal bases. You know, it's just, I don't think that that directly correlates really. I, um, with what his stolen base total will be. But, yeah, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I think the price is, is fair. Um, it's just when I'm in that range, like I'm looking at other guys, and I, I kind of like, yeah, I, I think it's probably about the right spot, you know. I'll say this. You know, he played hurt this year, and he still stole nine bags, and that's, that was his first year playing under these new rules. Maybe if he's actually out there healthy and playing 120 games this year and he's feeling good, maybe 15 bags is still in the cards and he's possibly able to hit 25, 30 home runs and hit 15 or steal 15 bags. I, I'm I'm not saying I expect it. I just think it's possible. And it's also possibly pays 40 games. 120 games? Yeah, you know no, I am that? not. I am no, no, I will not make a bet with you, and I'm looking at his fan grasp. No, no, now. I'm not trying to get a bet out of you. Because I actually have always, I I feel like we've been robbed of what Buxton could have been. Mm-hmm. Like, it's over. It, it's it's not going to happen in terms of, first round or at least I, at, 
at least at this point, I would be pretty shocked if it happened. I can't say, I mean, anything can happen, I guess, technically, but uh, I feel like we got robbed of a prime that could have been really great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I don't, I don't have any reason to root against him. It's just as he gets a little older and all of these things popping up, it's just tough. I don't know. But the price is better than it's ever been, that's for sure. So I was planning on moving on to the next team right now, but before we started recording, you said we can't go through the Twins and not talk about one yeah. specific guy. And that's yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, was, I was saving it thinking, ah, we'll talk about him plenty this offseason, but tell me what you want to talk about, about Royce Lewis. I just... Uh... I mean, what do you think of this price? So, so just just to give, uh, I don't know exactly how accurate these mins and maxes are on here, but right now it's showing through five drafts, his min is eighteen, and his max is thirty-one, ADP of twenty-five. Which I know that the max is wrong because in my last draft he went in round five, which would be pick. I think it was pick seventy-four. So something is wonky on the site, but where'd he go in your either, first draft? Either way, seventy-four in the first. Oh, draft. I'm sorry, first draft, second draft. Uh, this draft he went at thirty-six. Okay, so the middle of round three. So let's talk about that. I would of looking say at ADP then. Yeah, I would just say, what do you think in round three? I can't do it, and I get it. I can't do it. And it's almost like the like the ops like it's the Buxton thing. If he could stay healthy, and I felt confident enough in it, and there's less of a track record of him getting hurt. Don't get me wrong, because he's young and he's just now getting to the bigs. But it always seems to be something with him, and I don't think I'm going to be the one taking him. But I also am not going to shame anybody that does it. I just don't think it's going to be me. What about you? I think I'm going to shame him. Oh. So you're even. I mean, man, oh man, it's second round, third round. It's a grand slam every week, though. (laughs) Like, I mean, we're talking studs. Like, let me just read off this uh, seven pick sequence here. Actually, eight picks, eight straight hitters in this draft I'm in now, third round. And in this order, Bo Bichette, Pete Alonso, Marcus Simeon, Jose Altuve, Royce Lewis, Adalas Garcia. This is third round you said? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Adalas Garcia, Gunnar Henderson, and Michael Harris. So that, in there. that's where he's getting picked. Um, I mean, he's talented enough to be in this conversation with these guys. I. I'm not uh, necessarily doubting that, but, whew, man, I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to have any shares. I, I'm pretty sure, man. It just, it just feels hefty to me, really hefty. Yeah, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys even after this. I mean, I know he has power and speed, and you can dream on five categories and all that. But there's guys going way later that you can dream, do that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a third round pick, like. Man, it's it's just crazy to me, right? At least right now, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I don't know, man. It's I, I it's going to be hard for me to get talked off of this. Like, and even if you like take what he did in that amazing fifty-eight game stretch, 
and you prorate it to what it would be if he played like 140 games, you're still only talking like low 30s home runs and 12 home run, 12 to 15 steals. And I'm not saying that's a bad player. That's a good player, but that almost feels like that's what a third round player is. So you're baking yeah. it. You're baking in. Like you're expecting even better per- results than what he just did. Because doesn't that sound like Adolis Garcia? Like what I mean, I just said? we're also we're also just completely forgetting the fact that he's been injury prone. Too. Exactly. That's what I mean. Completely forgetting. And, and I'll admit, I will fully admit, I am the type with hitters specifically that I give them a pass for injuries a lot. Like it, it has to get to a point where it's like it is with Buxton or like it's like it is with Stanton where they are hurt over and over and over and over for me to really bake it in. So I'm not even dinging him that much for that. He is young. He's going to probably heal faster than, you know, he's in great shape, all of those things. But it is still there a little bit. And the track record of elite production in the major leagues is 58 games long. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's just wild to me with him in that group, and I don't think I'm going to be doing it. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to shame people, and you said you were, and the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah. I, I'd like to talk to somebody. I'd like to... Now I'd like to hear a take from somebody for why they would take him there and hear what they're, what it is and what they're hoping to get out of that yeah It'd and there's an gonna be there's I hope gonna can, be no go ahead sorry i'm hoping i can f- find somebody who i know well enough to just get them even if it's just a pre-recorded take so we don't have to yell at them <laughs> and we could air it or at least i could talk to them and hear it maybe i'll post it this is going to be a post in the baseball 365 group that's i'm going to try to make that tomorrow to the guys that are in on taking royce lewis in the third round explain why and you know, it, there's going to be drafts too, where he goes in round two. I yeah. Mean, so yeah. yeah, it's just it's just if you take everything into account, the hitters going around him. It's uh, man, it's lofty. It's not that I don't think he can get there, but see, there's not much room for upside from that spot. You know. Yep. You tough. You've convinced me. As I I hadn't spent as much time thinking about it, but you asked the question after looking. I'm with you on it. Do not like to everybody. We're listening to us. Do not take him in the third round. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the second place Detroit Tigers, Andrew. Yes, I said it. The second place Detroit Tigers. I, 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 when I looked at the standings, because I do these in order of 2023 finishes, I couldn't believe they finished second over the Guardians. Um, I just, I don't remember them catching them. I don't remember them passing them. I'm like, what the heck happened here? So, let me ask it this way: Are the Tigers getting ready to be on the cusp of a breakout? Are they? Are they? Like, I don't think they've got the talent the Baltimore Orioles have by any means, but are they still on the rise from the, right now? 
I think they're on the rise for sure. Like there's interesting pieces on the team finally, which there hadn't been for a while. A long time. And the division the division is bad enough that I, I could see them being like a trendy sleeper for some people, at least within the division. So, yeah, I mean, they still have a lot of holes. I mean, it's not like they're going to jump up to being an elite team, I don't think. But, yeah, there's some workable pieces that are interesting. And, you know, they have continued knocking money off the books looking at their payrolls. In 2022, they had $135 million. Uh, 122 million in 2023, and when I looked at these notes yesterday, it was at 76 million. Now again, some player options have been picked up, or team options. I actually was just trying to look and see if uh, on one of them I've got. Let's see. Unguaranteed contract will come off the books November 6th. Yeah, never mind. We'll I'll get to that in a second. So, anyways, um. Biggest reason for that drop in payroll is Miguel Cabrera and his $31 million are off the books. Heck of a career, Miggy. He was great for them for so long, but once that back injury happened, and he, they, I remember them saying about three or four, five years ago, like, this is going to be a chronic thing for him for the rest of his career, and he was never the same guy after, and it stunk to watch him, you know, not be that the last couple of years, but he did a lot for that org, so I guess... You know, I'm sure they probably don't regret anything with it. Um, there are two players with player options. Javi Baez has a player opt out at 25 million this year, which if he opts in, he collects over another four seasons. So Andrew, we know he's going to pick that option up with Javi with the way he's playing. But hypothetically, if Javi you sure, Baez, you sure. He- you sure he's going to pick it up? <laughs> I know that's your favorite question. 10% sure. your favorite question. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, if he opted out and he went, was on the market, what do you think he would get on the market right now if he was a free agent? Would he Man, get a major was, league deal? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Maybe I think like, one of the, like, like a one or a two-year deal. I don't know. I not don't think much. he could get multi-year. I think he would get like a one-year eight million, something like that. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, let's take a stab may, and see if we got something here. Yeah, you may be right. It's pretty. It's gotten pretty rough. And it would be a bad eight million spent. You know, Keith Law used to always say there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, but giving Javi Baez eight million, I still would probably say is a bad one-year deal. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, he's the other one that he's due eighteen million in 2024 and he has 16 and 15 million options in the following two seasons and he's got an opt-out here but he also declined to trade this last summer and i didn't look it up yet i'm curious i'm going to try to google search real quick because that's one i could see going either way with him because he had a really good year i could see him something let's see here's an article saying that they're discussing a restructured deal ahead of the opt-out option that's what the the score.com saying so they, maybe they're trying to work something out with them right now because but that seems like a really good deal for them maybe they're going to give them a little more money to stay or something like that because it's kind of like we were talking about with the tigers 
sh- being on the rise here, I would think they'd want to keep him around. Yeah. Yeah, you would think that's exactly what I was thinking. So how aggressive would you be if you're the Tigers, like, going into this year? Like, do you think now's the time for them to start spending? Because they have the money to spend. They've always been a team that whenever they're competitive, I mean, they they had they spent some money. But is it is the time right now, or do you think that's still a year early? Uh it's a good question. I, it's weird because the context of the division just gives them hope. Mm-hmm. Like with it being so, so bad and kind of up for grabs, really. I mean, I I know that the Twins are the favorite. That they've been the best team, will be the best team most likely going into next season, barring something crazy this off season. But I don't think it's one of those things that's like impossible to catch them or anything like that. So I could see him. Yeah. I could see him spending some, you know, add a few pieces. I mean, they, they still need pieces. There's no doubt. I mean, they, like, if you look at their lineup, it's, it's decent at the top, but it's bad at the bottom. Uh, and the rotation, I feel like the rotation is, the rotation is kind of, like there's high ceiling in it, I think, but there's also a way that it can just completely fall apart too. So let's talk about that rotation. Yeah, it's, you got Eduardo Rodriguez, Tariq Skubal, and then you got Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Reese Olson. So if you bring in another starter, you're essentially saying if everybody's healthy, one of those bottom three are probably going into the bullpen. And yeah. that's an interesting dilemma just because those are young starters that, you know, they've got that I think they like, but on the same note, I don't know if I'd want to go into the year banking on them if you've got a competitive window here. So, it, yeah, I mean, how many how many innings can you really trust you're going to get out of Casey Mize and even mm-hmm. even Matt Manning too? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I think it would make sense to have a third one that you could slot in ahead of you know in the top three and then kind of rotate those back guys i mean they're talented enough like i i i feel like mize olsen manning like draft and holds late they're fine you know uh because they could be in the rotation for a lot of the year they have talent but they're flyers too i just i don't know if you can really count on longevity from them and volatile with the production too i think so now the thing is and i'll be talking about this in a bit they also have a lot of prospects that are close to debuting yeah so they have that mixed in there too but before we get into that let's talk uh the other question i had was about Tariq scoobal uh in 80 innings he went seven and three with a two eight era uh strikeouts per nine was 11.43 and a sub two at 1.57 walks per nine a 2.8 era is great but even his expected era on Statcast was 2.28 and his adp's at 51 like is he an ace in your mind now do you consider him a borderline ace like would you be willing to go in on this I mean, he he definitely pitched like one when he pitched this season. Um, I know 
a really well-respected guy in the industry that has him as his SP9 going into the year. Wow. Uh, which is obviously an ace. And in, in but, his defense, the, with the only throw in the 80 innings, I mean, that was mostly due to injury. I mean, just two years ago, he threw 150 in Detroit. So it's not yeah. like he doesn't have some innings built in. Yeah. Yeah. I Scoobble is one that I don't think I'll be in on. I totally get it. I mean, the strikeout rates are there. The walks are down. Everything was great. Added velocity this year. Um, everything looks good. But again, where, you know, if he's going as a top 10, I don't think he's going to go as a top 10 pitcher at the end of the day. Like, I think his ADP will probably settle maybe as like the 15th to the 20th starter off the board, which isn't, I don't think it's bad. Like it's when I've seen him go in this, these early drafts, I haven't, it's kind of been one of those where I'm like, yeah, that's not for me, but I don't, it's not like I think it's bad or anything. It's just, it's kind of similar a little bit to the Royce Lewis thing. It's like we have limited track record of this elite production. And I I think it could continue. You know, I, I do think he's a really good young pitcher, but guess what? There's a lot of them. And he's the one, the, you know, bright, shiny bobble. You want to call it whatever you want to call it, but it's, um, I don't know, not enough track record there for me. I don't think to be spending like a fourth, fifth round pick on him, which is where I think he's going to go. So but what, what do I you was, think? Well, I was actually trying to find the ADP for one of your other guys, and I just found it like through these early drafts, and it's Yuri Perez, who also just went r- ridiculous. Like, he's at 53 ADP, so they're kind of neck and neck. Because I actually thought, Yuri, I was going to see him lower. Now, I was my argument was going to be, eh, maybe wait a couple rounds to take Yuri if you want to take the guy with the upside who doesn't have the track record yet. But um, now I see them kind of close to each other, which is where I now I'm like, well, maybe I challenge you a little bit here because they're go, they're going neck and neck, and neither of them have had a long stretch of of being really good. But and like I don't know what like what are your thoughts on that? Whenever I bring those two and I mention them back to back, you can call me an idiot. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You you well, you're saying like early ADP has them back to back. I'm not looking at the ADP. That's what they. I mean, it's five drafts, but yes, um, you're saying they're right next to each other. Yes, Scoobles fifty-one eight, Yuri's fifty-three. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fair. I would probably just take the later one. I mean, I could I can get on board with that. Yeah, I. I, I would probably, gun to my head, I would probably take Curie. But I, it's not like, again, if if Yuri's just going to get pushed up and up and up and like where he's a top 10 pitcher, maybe I'm out at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had to draft him at that stage, you know? Like, I didn't get him in this last one. He went higher than when I took him. Where'd you so, take him in the first one again? Re- refresh me. I don't remember. Uh, It was... The sixth round. Okay, so yeah, you're talking. It was like eighty. 
Yeah, it was like eighty four overall. Yeah, like that. That's much. That's much more palatable than fifty overall. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look, you look at the pitchers going. I I think a lot of these, the pitchers in this range, it's kind of like just get your guy. And some people like to take the guys at the very top. Some like to wait even beyond this tier. But yeah, Scoobble's going to be a popular one for sure. He's definitely shot way up. Um, and yeah, I I just don't think that of the guys in this range, like the pitchers, that he's probably one that I'm going to be getting. Like I think I'll just be taking the other ones more often than not, unless he's the one that slips in a random draft. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it, but kind of just a case by case thing. I'm, I'm also still trying to figure out exactly which guys are my guys and the ones I want to target and where I want to target them and stuff. You know, it's figuring all that out kind of on the fly too. And to your point, Yuri Perez's max pick on there is 67 and you just said you took him 75 to 90. So obviously this, this is still a broken board that we're looking at. So we might we might look at this in a week or two and be like, oh, well, that's nothing like we talked about. But you know what? This is what we have to work with right now, so it's what we're going to use. Yeah. All right. Last Detroit Tigers question: a lot of ti- a lot of prospects could debut this year. Like I was looking at guys as on a um, prospect side I subscribe to that are projected to debut in 2024, and I found seven prospects on this team colt keith jackson job uh jace young ty madden wilmer flores justice bigby and justin henry malloy all are players that could debut this year that's a lot of names and are you in on any of these guys like late in draft and holds like are, are is there any of those names that you're like yeah that's one i really would like to get some shares of uh, I I actually really really like Keith for at least right now. Uh, he's going. Gosh, I was trying to pull up where he went. Give me just a minute. So yeah, in my first draft, he went in round twenty six, and I was actually kind of looking at him earlier, but then I just took different guys and went to other positions and stuff. But I knew, like, man, he just kept sliding, and I knew I'm like, I'm gonna like it when he goes, and I definitely like that. He's played Colt Keith. He's played so prospects for the Tigers. For anybody who doesn't know, I'm sure most of the people listening do. But he's split between second base and third base pretty much evenly last year, or close to even. And their current second base and third baseman on roster resource are Zach McKinstry and Matt Veerly. So if that doesn't tell you there's an opening for Colt Keith, I don't know what does. Had a great season, double A and triple A, and I I just feel like he's their best option at one of those positions. He he might be their best hitter after like Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, and Kerry Carpenter, maybe even better than some or all of those. I don't know. You know, it's just he's he's really talented. I feel like he could be up at any point. I mean, if they said he'd make the opening day roster, I wouldn't even be surprised. I think people are stealing him right now. Probably he'll move up as the off season moves on. Cause 
just because of the team context, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, and he's kind of mastered the high minors at least. So, uh, yeah, I really like him. The other guys, not as much, not that they can't contribute. I just feel like you're guessing a little more. I do. I mean, Job is a stud prospect. It's just, I don't really have any idea when he'll be up. I think he's more of like a late flyer, at least right now, but also one that, you know, if he's up, everybody's going to want him. It's it'd be a huge, huge name, huge in-season pickup, stuff like that. But I want to say in my first one, he went, he went really late, like hey. last ten rounds maybe or something. But he only threw six innings in Double A, so at the very end of the year, he got six innings in there. So yeah, he's not that. Not saying that we haven't seen guys come up and you know throw thirty innings in Double A like the next year and pitch really well and then be up. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. He actually went, he went around 37, my first one. So, but yeah, there, there will be of those ones you named, there'll be a couple that are relevant this year for sure. I just think it's a little bit of a guess as to who, um, I grabbed big B at the very end of the year and fab and one or two of my dynasty leagues. So I was happy about that. I think that, if I was the Tigers, I wouldn't be getting too aggressive this offseason because of this many names that are close. I think I'd just play with free money this year, see if you can get in there. I mean, if you grab a guy or two this offseason, great. But I, I don't I like, I think I'd be grabbing veterans to fill roles as compared that are, you know, signing them to one year deals and seeing what happens with these kids that are coming up first, and maybe next offseason being aggressive, unless just the right player is there for you. Yeah, I yeah, think, I could see that. I think I'd be a little more pa- like I'd I'd be patient and just let the process play out a little longer. Okay, let's move on to the third place Cleveland Guardians, who finished seventy six and eighty six. Somehow had a worse record than the Tigers this year. Um, their payroll on tr- this on last year, or I guess twenty twenty three this year was. million and their projected opening day payroll right now is 89.9 million and that's because no real big money is coming off the books outside of the rentals they landed late last year with Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez who I'm sure will both sign with the same team this winter because they seem to follow each other everywhere (laughs) (laughs) one of those things I didn't realize till you brought to my attention a couple months ago what needs to happen for the Guardians to bounce back and win the AL Central this next year? Man, this offense is horrendous. So bad. I can't. I just, I feel like during the season, I never stop talking about it because it just, it just blows my mind. 124 home runs as a team. That's 27 less than every other team in the league. The Braves hit their 124th home run on June 18th. Oh, my gosh. There's just, there is no power on this team. And there hasn't been for the last couple of years. Like, it is just terrible. This offense is just, it's sick. Ingles hitters, I know I say anybody who talks to me knows I talk about this all year. It's just and, and what sucks is their pitchers are interesting. And 
you're constantly fighting that battle of can I just get some run support, please? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just single, 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 single. And God forbid they hit a double or a home run. It's just, oh, man, it's so bad. Like, this offense is terrible. That's, like, my main takeaway with this team. Other, But the pitching is good. Like, I like their pitching. They're a pitching factory. I mean, they got guys coming out of their ears with pitching. You know, that's great. But watching this offense, it, it's just horrendous. They desperately need some of these young guys to just keep stepping up. Bo Naylor's up at least now, and he's a big upgrade over when they were playing Mike Zunino for the first two months last year. And then Kyle Manzardo, he's the other one that's close. But again, I mean, we don't know what kind of pop he even has. I mean, it might be a a high like a line drive hitter. So again, yeah, they they really could use some more thump in that lineup. I mean, right now they're eight nine hitters on roster resource are Brayon Rocchio and Miles Straw. And at the top of the line, yeah. and then Kwan. at the top, it's Quan and Andres Jimenez. Like, there's there's a total out of those four players of, like, 20 home runs. I mean, it's just so terrible. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, man. And then, yeah, like, even the rest of their guys. Like, I just hope Manzardo is – something where you can at least be like okay this is a power bat that can help us from the left side i mean obviously they got jram but yeah they just need some thump they need to in free agency prospects whatever it is that that's what they need to get on this team they need power what's scary is i don't think it's going to happen they've already like their payroll already is what it was on opening day last year unless they decide they're just going to go out and spend a little more and looking at their minors, I mean, they got Manzardo, and we're going to talk about him in a second, but they don't have, like, looking at their prospect list, I don't see this big thumper that's about to show yeah. up. Chase DeLotter's an interesting bat, but I don't think that's what he is. So, Yeah, I mean, I, he could be, but it's also, like, you can't count on that right at this moment, you nope. know? It's, yeah, it's brutal. So Kyle Manzardo, over under 400 plate appearances this year. It's got to be over. Yeah, I think so. Especially with him playing well in the AFL, I really think that there's a chance he's up open, like pretty good chance he's up opening day. I would imagine so. Yeah. Would you take the over yeah, on 450? I, uh, yeah, I think so. I, I'm just more saying it out of hope. Like they have to give somebody else a, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, I want them to give a kid like that all the rope in the world and just see what he does with it. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? He's not going to hit any homers like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just. Gabriel yeah, hope- is out there playing every day and, you know, not, you know, striking out every, every like 40% of the time and not hitting for much more thump. Yeah, he he definitely could help them out a lot. Whether he does or not, we'll see. But yeah, definitely good prospect. And that trade was, you would think, nice for him. You know, it opens up the playing time yep. and stuff. It made sense. As yeah. somebody with dynasty shares or with shares in both dynasty leagues, I hope I hope he plays well. Hope he gets it. 
Uh, two Guardians prospects who had injuries and surgeries in 2023 are both right now end game grabs in the 600s and draft and holds. And I'm curious if you'd take a swing at either of these guys if you'd be interested. Uh, Chase DeLotter, who I mentioned before, who was promoted to double A in September at the very end of the year. Or Daniel Espino, who was of like top 20 25 prospect on dynasty list that I was looking at at the beginning of the year before he had his I think it was elbow or shoulder problems and he had surgery in May and was supposed to be out 12 to 14 months so with Espino you wouldn't even be getting him until probably mid-year would you draft either like are you would you draft either guy both guys like or and like are you interested I think DeLauder should go right at the end of draft and holds. Probably won't be a guy that I'll get because I think it makes more sense to take him if you haven't taken many pros. Like if you haven't taken shots, if you've played it safe and then you want to take some right at the end, I think he's one. Um, I'll have probably already taken some, so I just don't think he would fit. But I think he's okay at the end. Yeah, I think it could pay off. Um, Espino probably not, just because he hasn't been to the majors yet. He's hurt. You know, he's going through the injury, and then even if once he gets healthy, who knows if he even gets there? I doubt it's many innings. They're going to baby him. I probably wouldn't touch him. Agreed. I. I'm not touching a Spino in a draft and hold. And yeah, that's all the excitement we have out of the Cleveland Guardians to talk about. I mean, take Jose Ramirez early, even though he has no team around him. He the <laughs> at least he's gonna be a superstar. Yeah, and and the rotate like I said, the rotation's good. I Very mean good. Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen. Definitely uh definitely interesting and i always i feel like they're one of those teams that can constantly plug in guys you know if they have an injury or something but all of those guys i feel like are capable of being high-end production so this is the first year looking at their prospects that you don't really see this guy that's like oh yeah that guy's gonna be on the like cusp which they've had the last few years I don't yeah i don't see that yet i'm not saying that they couldn't have somebody pop up and do it just because they've done it but yeah, I don't I don't know if they've got this guy on the cusp as usual either to where I don't know if they have the depth they typically have in their rotation. Yeah, I kinda like uh Joey Cantillo a little bit. Do you? Like at the end as a guy that could fill in. Like I think he's gonna make some starts in the bigs this year, but yeah, it's it's uh that's definitely the strength of the team. I mean the the offense isn't that's for sure <laughs> all right we're gonna take another break um if you guys decide you just don't want to listen to any more because we're about to talk about the white socks and rules i really can't even say i blame you but we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna come talk about these two bottom feeders Uh, Andrew, anybody who's still listening, they're the ones that really have the baseball sickness. If you want to hear us talk about the White Sox and Royals here, 
<laughs> You're our yep. type of people. <laughs> the White That's Sox, right. 61 and 101. That was their record. 61 wins, 101 losses. What a fall from grace. That's all I wrote there at the beginning. Yeah. It's ugly in every way. It's just so bad. This team is so bad. I feel I feel like they built it so incorrectly with the number of guys that are DH. Like they everybody's out of place. You know, first baseman, DH types all over the place, guys you don't want in the field, play in the field, then getting hurt as a result of it. It's terrible. Team's terrible. And they also had a ton of hitters that didn't know how to take walks. I don't know if that's part of, like, a big part of it or not, but I remember that was something that we'd talk about, like, was talked about is they were, a lot of these guys were on the cusp of debuting. It's like, man. They just don't have a lot of guys that know how to get on base at the yeah. like it was, it was just a, like you can have players like that on your team but they had a lot of them that What's had... crazy is what's crazy is Robert had like a huge breakout yes. season and it's almost like it didn't even matter or it didn't even happen because of how bad the rest of the team was and almost like it was quiet not even really talked about you know but he had a huge year Mhm he had a great year so their payroll shot down this year or has shot down the last like from where it's been in 2022 opening day was 211 million. This last year was 194 and right now it's projected to be at 124 million. Now despite that, they don't need to be spending right now, right? I wouldn't think so, no. No, I just feel like you're throwing money away at this point unless you're able to buy somebody at some cheap deal cuz they're bad, and it's not like they have a lot of these kids on the farm either that are about to come up and make a big difference, a whole lot of them to where, yeah, they need to just be stay down there at the bottom and rebuild. Uh, money that's off the books here, Grandal's off at 18.25 18. Um, and Clevenger had a mutual $12 million option. I would think they're going to decline that and just go on and let him go. Uh, an interesting one is Tim Anderson. He's got a club option of 14 million and he's been in that org for a while, but it was just absolutely brutal this year. Do you think they'll pick that one up? Or I guess, I guess we probably know. I, a lot of options were out there. I need to look into that real quick, but if you were the White Sox, would you pick that up? Oh man, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of wonder if he's a little bit of a, like clubhouse cancer type, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. But I do I do think that he could rebound some. Um it was really bad, but I, I don't think he's this bad. I think he's better than this. So I wouldn't be surprised if they picked him up. I just feel like some of the issues that came up last year with him, I don't know if it's worth it really to to them necessarily just because he's been with them for a long time but it i i just feel like it's two separate things like if if they feel he's worth it because he can bounce back then maybe but if it's just because he's been with them for a long time i don't know if that's going to carry the weight at the end of the day but 
yeah, I could see it going either way. So the update is Clevenger opted. He actually opted out on his end of the mutual option, which surprised me. I thought it would have been the White Sox. And Tim Anderson, when they were making these announcements, they did not announce anything one way or the other on Anderson. So sounds like they're still undecided or something's going on back behind the scenes still because that has not been decided. Hmm. All right. Um, All right. Here's a question. When I pulled up the ADP of the Chicago White Sox, one thing jumped out to me, and that is how many White Sox players have ADP in the top 400 of the draft. Andrew, without looking, you haven't looked yet, give me a number. How many White Sox are in the top 400? I'm going to guess seven. Well, seven are in the top 407. I'll give you that. But five of them are in the top 400. (laughs) Wow. And... The fifth one is Tim Anderson at 333. Robert, Robert Cease, Anderson, Eloy, and Benintendi? Not Benintendi. He's actually pretty late. Uh, the the young guy that you were in oh, on a Vaughn. couple years ago. Vaughn. Yep. Andrew Vaughn. Yep. So that's your, that's your five. Um, horrible. I'm trying to avoid the yeah. early guys. We talked about Luis Roberts some already and probably will continue to do so. Um, if you want to talk about him, we can. But I was going to move on to Tim Anderson actually at the 333 ADP. We were just talking about him. But do you, that, that's like an in-game final starter middle infielder. Are you willing to take that stab? Because, I mean, he was just like a, what, 8th, 10th round player just a year ago, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, I I think it's totally fine price there. I think that if it's not with the White Sox, it's going to be somewhere where he'll play. He has speed. Um, I think it's probably a good compliment if like you're really set in power. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that price. Yeah. I don't know if I'm with you. I mean, I, uh, guy hit like one home run in 123 games this last year. And, I can't help but think of like if he was to get signed by like the Dodgers, they gave him like a one year, $8 million deal and thinking about him going there and maybe so a, t- a team that's a contender has a slot, but they also can put somebody else in there if he sucks. Like I've just, I've seen the Dodgers do that a few times. And I, I wonder if that's the type of thing that could happen to Tim Anderson. I mean, the guy hit one home run in 123 games and you know, it was only six the previous year. So this is two years of less production in the power, which I, that was in 79 games. So I guess maybe I should be giving him a pass for that, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the other thing though, is where he's going. Look at the middle infielders around him. Okay. I mean, let me pull that up. Cause that, I had it's done. just, I just think it's a fair price. I mean, like Mason, Wynn went ahead of him in my last draft, Luis Rangifo ahead of him. Zach Neto, who I like, but like, is Zach Neto better than Tim Anderson? I I think he probably is if he can do what I hope. I think, but I'm also before him. But yeah, I I would too. I would. I would take Neto over him. But I'm just saying that this is the group that he's going in. So yeah, I don't I don't mind it. I mean, I'm not like if he busts in round 23, whatever. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other guys that are going to do that too. Bryce Terang. 
went in that range. You know, it's. I think what that's telling me is I don't want to wait too long on my middle infield slot because those like not many of those get names do I really like. I think I talked we talked about Rengifo a month or so. Like ago. here, here's here's another here's another one. The guy in my first draft that took Tim Anderson, he also took Jordan Lawler eight rounds earlier than Tim Anderson. Yuck. Like what and There's a lot wrong, of downside in Jordan Lawler. Uh, and in round 15, when you can get Tim Anderson in round 23, like that's kind of that range, you know. I do actually think a lot of the guys in that range with middle infield are interesting, but some of them are going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. But so I, th- I do think there's a few of those guys that are going to break out and shoot way up too. I, I actually don't mind waiting on middle infield because I think there's a lot of a lot of those guys that can give you like some pop and some speed, but you've just got to be kind of ready to shift if, if they're not productive, but in those rounds, I think you can do that. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm still going to be avoiding Tim Anderson. I don't, I, I get it though. What yeah, you're saying I is don't, he I belongs don't in that cluster. He does belong in that yeah. cluster. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not positive I'll be in either, but I just think that the price is fair. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Colson Montgomery, the last name we're going to talk about with the White Sox, uh, only able to play 54 games this year, but he played well in those games in High A and Double A. Strikeouts were kept in check, and he had great strike zone awareness. He had really good walk rates. ADP of 5.38. Are you interested? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, I could see I I could see drafting him. Yeah. Depending on depending on what my situation was like at corner and field and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think that could pay off. Yeah, I think good path to playing time. He's gonna get a very good chance he's up this year. So yeah, I think I'd be in on that too. Okay, that yeah. was fun. Let's talk about the other fun one. That's the Kansas City Royals. Uh Somehow even worse than the Chicago White Sox, and this organization feels so hopeless. Going just running, looking at their major league, the minor league. This is a bottom three organization in baseball, in my opinion. The major league team sucks. The prospect list is weak. They feel like the poor version of the Angels had the Angels not been able to get Trout and Otani. It's like it was. Like they got Bobby Witt, and it's just hideous. It feels hideous looking at the rest of that r- r- roster. You know, twenty twenty three, their opening day payroll was ninety two, and actually, it's projected to be at sixty five million so far at the or at the beginning of this year, which I was a little confused by. I still haven't really figured it out because Grinky is off the books at eight and a half million, and Matt, Brad Keller is at five point seven seven. So somebody must have had a jump in pay from last year to or a. Uh, no, that's not even right. I don't know where how it, that's twenty seven million is off the books, but anyways, moving on. Thirty percent of their payroll is Salvador Perez, who signed a four year, eighty two million dollar deal that runs two more years. And as I was saying, Andrew, this team isn't winning, but Sal is the face of the organization. As somebody who lives in Missouri, you know, they love Salvador Perez, but. Shouldn't they? Shouldn't the Royals at least be fielding offers for this guy to see if they can get someone to help in the future? And on that same note, why didn't they trade him three years ago? 
Well, as far as that, I'm, I have no idea. I feel like I said this like a year or two ago that maybe it was probably a year ago that they should see what they could get. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they would get really now. Definitely declined some this year. Yeah. But yeah, it's, they're probably stuck with him. It's yeah. Rough. This organization is quite the mess. So it like, it reminds me so much of Whit Merrifield and, you know, them building around him whenever they could have traded him when he had a team friendly deal. And the GM said, Nope, we're going to build around this guy. And they could have done the same thing with Perez a couple years before he was on a friendly deal. At least they were competitive at that time. I just, I don't get what this organization's doing. It drives me nuts, Andrew. It drives me nuts. Yeah. They luckily have Bobby Witt Jr. Give the fans something to watch every day, but, yeah, beyond that, Cole Reagan's breakout has been pretty tough. Yeah. So, despite them being bad, there are some interesting names in the draft. Uh, Vinny Pascantino is one I figured I'd bring up. You know, like you said, Witt and a- Reagan's, I think we'll get more into them as we get into the position previews. I thought I'd just bring up Vinny Pascantino here. He had labrum surgery last June, but he's expected to be ready come the beginning of the year, and his current ADP is 185. And I pulled some first basemen that have, are going around that, and I thought I'd just play a him-or-him him game versus these guys. Would you take Pascantino over Alec Baum? Who's got the first third uh, eligibility? No. no, I would take Baum. Okay. What about Isaac Paredes? Paredes. Nathaniel Lowe? Um... I feel bad because I like Vinny a lot, but the the injury, I just I just don't know. I I have no idea what to expect from him. So probably low. You're 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 steering off, just playing safe here. Well, these guys, at least from what I've seen so far, these guys are going ahead of him. So really, uh, yeah i I actually don't mind Vinny at this spot, but. The shoulder surgery, I just, I just don't know. Like the team is bad. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no steals, so you're mostly just hoping he's hitting for power. And I mean, how many times have we seen it with these guys that have shoulder surgery? I, I really don't know what to expect from Vinny. I, I like his skills. Uh, I loved him last year, you know, before the injury and stuff. But I don't know how you can take him over healthy, productive first baseman until he starts showing you that he can do it again. I'm not necessarily doubting that he can. I just want to see it. And then maybe I take him ahead of these guys. But these guys all had really good years. What about Andrew Vaughn? I didn't even list him, but he was the next guy below Hoskins. I would, take, I, would, I would take Vinny over okay. Vaughn. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair. It's. I mean, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to – taken into account there with the shoulder. You just don't know if guys come back and they have it or not. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, I feel like there's quite a bit of first baseman that you can kind of stomach as your, as your guy. If, if I took, if I wanted Vinny or was targeting Vinny though, I would probably be, I would want it to either be my corner infield or 
if he was the first first baseman I took, I would be taking a second one pretty quickly after. I just don't want to put all my eggs there. And and in the spot that he's going, I don't, I feel like you can do exactly what I'm saying, but agreed. um, You know, just until we see it a little bit and then I'll, I'm sure I'll probably be high on him again. Cause I love him as a player, at least what he was before. I just want to make sure he's back to that. So speaking of first baseman, uh, as I was looking next on the list is Justin Turner. And did you see that he opted out of his, um, option with the Red yeah, Sox today? I, I did see that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. I'm curious to see where he lands as somebody who's long been a fan of him. Uh, Final question, Mikel Garcia. He's going to be an odd third base guy to own because third base is typically a power position, and Garcia doesn't offer that. Yeah, third base eligible only with an ADP of 231. He hit four homers in 123 games. Are you willing to construct a roster? Like, do you Can you see yourself constructing a roster where you're putting a Mikel Garcia at your third base slot? I doubt it. Uh, and people like him. Man. Yeah. He was good this last yeah. year. And I was a fan of him last offseason, but obviously the price was a, so much cheaper. I was mad I didn't get him in my first-year player drafts, but I don't know about right now. Yeah, he, he went in this one I'm in now in round 13. And I just don't know about the power. Like you said, I mean – the one thing I do typically like is when you can get a guy on the corners that's stealing bases. Yeah. Because you're getting it out of a spot that a lot of people are just getting zeros. So I think that it can provide an edge. But if you're turning right around with the same guy and getting four home runs in 123 games, I mean, it's just like shooting yourself in the foot type of thing. I feel like I bad offense. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really that interested in him. No, I. I do think he could hit for more power than he has, but um, it's never like it's not like it's going to be a lead or anything. So probably not a guy that I'm that interested in unless I get to that stage of the draft and I need speed. And but I'm just probably not constructing it exactly that way. You know. Yeah, I'm with you. I like I took. Like I took in this one. I took Noel V. Marte shortly after. It was like seven picks later, I would much rather have him. Like, not even not even close to me. No, he's one I need to look into. I really didn't pay much attention to him this last year, and I know he, he grabbed him. He crushed the last few weeks of the season, and obviously he's an elite prospect, so. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I like Caminero went after him, I would take him. Yeah, I would take both those guys for sure over Michael Garcia. So there we go. Um, the one thing I looking at those NFBC around Garcia I, at the at the third baseman that jumped out to me when I was looking uh, that's a position I remember you saying last year was really rough and around Garcia just looking at the third baseman especially since Justin Turner is not third base eligible anymore man that position looks bad right there that that really jumped out to me when I was looking at the players the thing with third base and I thought this last year and I pretty sure I'm going to think it this year it's fine to like a guy that's farther down like whether it's 
Alec Bohm or Brian Hayes or Jake Berger or Ryan McMahon or whoever. You know, we all have our targets. It's fine to like those guys. But to sit there and act like any of these guys that are like down the line at third base are going to just shoot up. I mean, the top of this position is Bobby Wood Jr. Or no, he's only shortstop, right? Yeah, sorry about that. So Nick's him. He's still listed here. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Ellie De La Cruz, Austin Riley, Royce Lewis, Gunnar Henderson, Rafael Devers. And there's Machado's, there's Arenado, a couple others. But, like, those guys that are further down just aren't getting into that tier. You know, it just it just isn't. Mm-hmm. They're just not. I, the top third basemen are going to be the top third basemen at the end of the season. Camonero's one so. that could. Camonero's got an yeah, opportunity too. Yeah, and and yeah, Nolan possibly. Gorman, I, I could say. He's I, not third base, though. Oh, you're right. That's the mistake yeah, of me base. looking at this thing list. You're right. Yeah, 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 he's second base, yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot of these guys that I would think are. Gonna oh, be we're gonna up. we're gonna get to Gorman next. That's next podcast, right? Yep, we'll talk <laughs> about Gorman then. Yeah, the, we got to talk. What about Cole Reagan? So real you quick talk about him. Let's do it. Uh, it's kind of the same thing as Scooble. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would I would take Scooble over Reagan's for sure. And yeah, Reagan's is just another one. I'm like, there's no way I'm not. I'm not paying this price now. It's much. Later. I, I get. It's not that much later, but it's at more, least not in the ones I, I'm not really looking at ADPs, but that's he's thing. gone and he's gone in round five and round six in the two drafts I've done on the NFBC site, which again is flawed. It says his ADP is 128 right now, and it's and it's yeah. Well, pictures. that's different. That's different. I I feel like he should be going in like round. Nine or ten, maybe round eight. Yeah, and I've seen him going in round the two drafts I've done, round five and round six. There's just there's no way. Like for one for one thing, last season was the first year ever that he's thrown a hundred innings mm-hmm. ever, and obviously it happens to be his monster breakout year. Obviously, no way. Again, change, That's changes true. made. He threw 130 innings in 2022 between Double AA, A, Triple A, and the majors. Okay, that's my fault. I thought it was. Um, I must have misread it. So, yeah, I stand corrected there. But yeah, I just it's just way it's way out of nowhere with yes. this guy too. The team is bad. It's out of nowhere. How many innings did he throw this year? Then what the uh, heck was that? One twenty-three. Okay. So it wasn't his career high. No. But um so he could I mean if things go right he could go out and throw 160 innings. That's doable for Yeah. Him. And I, like I've said before it's not all about that, but when you're taking a guy that's co- like an out of nowhere breakout combined with whatever it was 96 innings in the bigs I just I just need to see a little more if I'm taking him in round 5 or 6 like he went in this draft. Who was it that he went ahead of? Um, 
uh, Senga, Walker Bueller, Yamamoto, Joe Ryan, C. Spradish. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm just not doing it. I, I honestly, as I hear that list, there are guys I would take him ahead of, or take ahead of him. But I also am like, yeah, I don't know if I feel it's too far off. But that said, I maybe I just don't like that round then, because yeah, I think that yeah. might be where I landed with that because there were quite a few names. I'm like, I don't know, buying down like like I got like I got Jose, uh, Jesus Lazardo in round eight. I'd much rather have Lazardo. Cole Reagan's eight. win in round five. Yeah. you know, just stuff, just stuff like that, like little things like that. I almost obsess over, and it's like. Don't get me wrong. If you want to rank Cole Reagan's ahead of Lazardo, that's fine. But three rounds difference. No. I know. I know it was the seven eight turn, so it's technically you could call it more like two rounds. But that's the stuff that I'm I'm looking at. You know, it's just I just think it's too high. I I think he's a good. I do think he's a good pitcher. Huge breakout, obviously, and I think he'll be relevant. But maybe a guy that I'd rather buy next year. When it dips a little, like I expected to. These names he's going next to, I mean, right next to Gilbert and Blake Snell and all that. At least in this one, just this one specific draft. But yeah, no, thank you. I yeah, don't. I don't nuts. want him that early. You know, he had the breakout and walks have been a huge issue for him, and he was much better in that six ninety six innings with the or in the majors this year. But his walk rate was still three point eight four, and actually, I didn't look and see how much of that's was with the like what it was with the Royals specifically. But um, you know, he's always been in the five, like four like the previous stops, he was, you know, five, four point eight. It's been high this year. And if that three point eight four ticks up even a little bit with some regression, if he's not quite the guy he was, I mean if it gets back up over four, it's hard to be successful and walk that many pitchers in the players in the majors. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I I feel I wonder. Somebody needs to do a study on this, but I just I wonder how many times these guys that pop up out of nowhere in like a hundred inning sample or ninety inning sample, whatever, when they shoot way up the board, how often? when they're drafted in this, at like this spot that they actually return value value the following season. I, I, can you remember a guy that just did this and just kept going all the way to the top? I mean, what, is he going to win the Cy Young next year? I mean, some would say he could, but I mean, is it, am I crazy saying that's kind of a tall order? It is a tall order. I'm trying to remember the Atlanta Braves pitcher about like eight to 10 years ago. Who had that second half? Well, that run. tells you that that tells you everything you need to know. Yep. Chris Medlin. Yep, that Chris guy. Medlin. That guy. I was like, but, what was his name? Yeah, like that's that proves my point though. It's like eight to ten years ago, mm-hmm. you know. And how did Chris Medlin do in yeah. the next year? I mean, it's one guy, but I mean that also tells you it. it yeah, I want right. to say I want to say he fell off. That was he a did. crazy run. He I remember having that. Yeah, I remember having him for that crazy run. But yeah, yeah, I. I don't mean to seem like I, I definitely, um, like I said, I definitely would take Scooble of the two, and I'm just bringing them up because they're both on this podcast. But yeah, maybe if Reagan's was more in like the eight to ten range, I just I look at the pitchers that went in that range, 
And I just think he is closer to them than the guys up in round four, five, six. But maybe once the ADP settles, it'll it'll be in there. So we'll see. Man, I really hope by the time we do this next week, they've settled this ADP a little bit because again, it shows them as an eight, like Reagan's an ADP of one twenty eight, and his min and max is one twenty four and one thirty two. And you just said yeah, that's fifth round. So yeah, that's definitely not right. They got to get this fixed. People, like, yeah, for us November podcasters who are trying to talk baseball, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you've done some drafts, so because obviously that's legit as compared to this, so it's it's able to correct some of the things I'm seeing. Yeah, they'll so, get it fixed. Hopefully, that'll be by next week, as we will talk about the National League Central, which will be much more fun than talking about this terrible division that's now over. We're done talking about them. We're not talking about anybody in the AL Central the rest of the off season. When we Man, do position that, rankings, we pass over all AL Central players. The, uh, the NL Central is really fun, actually. Yes. I feel, uh, especially for just fantasy talk. Like, not only has it got my team and your team, but even the Pirates have guys that are going to be fun to talk about. The Reds and oh, the geez, Brewers the Reds, are obviously the Reds. You like, it's just a, a yeah, give a yeah, it's just a fun division. Me. Really fun division. To talk about, yeah. And we'll be back next week to talk about all that, and it'll be a lot better. <laughs> because, yep. So, all right. Thanks for everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 